This is the last sermon in the Gospel of John series that we started way back in December. And although we'll be reading some from John, 1 John, and Revelation in particular throughout the summer, this is the one that pretty much closes what began months ago with In the Beginning. Don't know if you picked up on it and have noticed along the way over this last six months, but I have purposely ended every single sermon the exact same way with the same exact phrase, world without end, amen. Again, that's been on purpose because of John's teaching that even right now where we sit is in the new creation in this world without end. Let's pray. God, we thank you for setting up this project, for setting up your new creation, for sending your one and only Son to teach us, to shape us, to usher us into the new creation through his death and through his resurrection. We this morning join you in proclaiming the truth and the life and the way of the living Jesus, and we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. Peter decided to go night fishing. The boys decided to go with him. So they went fishing that night and caught absolutely nothing. Then this happens. Hear now the word of the Lord from John 21. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Hey guys, do you have any fish? That's a direct Greek translation. <laughs> no, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped in the water. The other disciple who followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? By the way, you know what that's really saying? None of the disciples dared ask him, is it really you? You know that's what they're thinking, right? Is this, can this be real? 
They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to His disciples after He was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? This is the word of the Lord. I wonder what the final miracle really is in the Gospel of John. Some may have us believe it's the 153 fish. I think it's nothing short of the fact that Peter did not get kicked off the team. The love, compassion, and forgiveness of a love that will not let me go. A few weeks ago, I was at the YMCA upstairs trudging on a treadmill when out the window, I noticed boys practicing baseball. I would later come to find out that every boys baseball team at the Trotter YMCA League is named, wait for it, every team is the Astros. 
you know, last Saturday, I was walking home after a workout on Saturday morning, and when I left the Y, I walked by the baseball field. The Astros were tied 5-5 with the Astros. And so I yelled, go Astros! And all the boys cheered, and they were just elated. But a few weeks ago, anyway, I was upstairs uh, on, by that time, an elliptical machine, just, you know, going through the motions, and I was watching practice out the window, kind of down onto the field. They weren't in their Astros uniform that day. This was just a weekday practice. They were just in their regular everyday clothes. Some of the boys had on baseball pants and, you know, T-shirts. Some of them were wearing uh, shorts and T-shirts, just out there practicing. And, I mean, some of them, you could tell that some of these boys, they were elementary age boys, but you could tell that some of them had had a baseball in their hands pretty much since the day they were born. They were throwing just straight as an arrow, right into the glove, catching it, grabbing the ball, throwing it back. And just, you know, it was, you could tell the boys who had been playing baseball a while. I couldn't help but notice one little curly-haired boy on the baseball field, who just loved being out there. I mean, you could, you could tell. I was probably 50 yards away from this kid, and you could see his smile. He was jumping around the field, and, you know, going, chasing the ball, and he was, he was just having the best time. He was by far the kid that was having the best time out there. He was wearing an Avengers T-shirt, and he could not catch the ball to save his life. I mean, one of the coaches slash dads was about, you know, five to ten yards away from him, and he was throwing in the ball pretty gently, and he would raise his glove, and it would pass his glove, and it would go over his head, and he would just, eh, and he would go running after the ball, pick it up, you know, get it back to the coach slash dad as best he could. But after about 10 to 12 throws, at one point, the dad slash coach landed the ball just right, and he caught the ball in his glove. And I cheered out loud. I mean, Metallica was blaring in my ears. I like listening to really loud, flat music while I'm working out. But I think he heard me. Um, even though there was a window and 50 yards separating us, I'm pretty sure that I'm there on an elliptical machine, and I mean, I raised my hands, and I just cheered out loud because he finally caught the ball, and I think he heard me because he raised his hands and cheered, took the ball out of his glove, and then threw it straight into the ground. And... That curly-haired boy, the next Saturday, was out on the field in his Astros uniform. He was on the team, and he was out on the field. And that made me think about the resurrected Jesus eating resurrection breakfast with Peter on the shoreline. 
And it wasn't just Peter. It was Peter and John. You know, it's almost kind of like the prodigal son story. You've got two guys, and they're at different places, but they're both there. Peter and John, two people who somehow, some way, seem to almost represent the whole of Christian history. It, one of them, and I mean, you got to kind of appreciate the way that John tells the story. By the time John tells the story that we just read a moment ago, Peter is dead. Did you notice that? I mean, Peter has probably been dead for a while because John writes this story much later than when it happens. You know, you don't write a line like Jesus is saying this to indicate the kind of death that Peter was going to die while Peter was still alive. You know, that's kind of like calling Justin Martyr, Justin Martyr before he dies. Like, would you call me? You know, Peter is gone. And there seems to be, especially when you read the closing segment of the Gospel of John, there seems to be a little bit of tension between Peter and John. Did you, have you noticed that? Go back and read it again. You kind of do sense some tension. But John, John knows that the tension is there. I think he really does. Because John goes out of his way in telling this story that he is a faster runner than Peter. And he says that numerous times. This is the one who reached the tomb first. I'm a faster runner than Peter. But in the passage that we just read, that seems to be extremely important in the bigger picture of the story, Peter is the one who goes to the boat and is somehow strong enough to haul in a net with 153 fish in it. It's as though John was saying, I was faster than him. But everybody knew that he was the muscle-bound one of the group. And if you want a wonderful line out of this story to base your day upon, listen to Jesus answering the questions that we may all have about the way that he answered Peter when he asked about John. Do you know what Jesus basically told Peter when he was asking about John? He says, what's it to you? you know, that was actually kind of the working title of this particular sermon. What's it to you? And then there's this meal of bread and fish. I think we've had bread and fish with Jesus somewhere before, with me and 5,000 of my closest friends. You remember that? And now here we are with Jesus again, and he's still feeding us bread and fish. Jesus, is there anything else to eat? And Jesus answers, what's it to you? I think that's Jesus' way of saying, I will take care of everything. Hmm. Okay, Jesus. Fair enough. I'll trust you. But 
elephant in the room is the event of some days back. When Jesus went to the cross and I denied him, not once, not twice, but three times. And maybe that's why he asked me three times at breakfast that morning if I loved him. Do you love me? You know I love you. Love me? You know. Do you love me? Yes. And the storytellers through the years have made big deals out of the answers, the questions, the number of times, the number of fish, and all kinds of things in this story. But I have to admit that not one of those impressed me as much as the real miracle that lasted longer than the breakfast. Peter dropped the ball. Peter dropped the ball, big time. He dropped the ball. But I think there on the shoreline, somehow, someway, Jesus said that Peter could not only still be on the team, but he could play. And that gives me hope. And that gives you hope. Because if Peter could drop the ball, that badly and flat out deny that he even knew who Jesus was and still be on the team and still get to play, then we certainly still get to be with Jesus, the living Jesus. We all get to be on the team and we all get to play and we will all strike out at times and we will throw the ball wrong and some days we'll throw the ball straight into the ground and if someone on the sideline hollers at us if some parent gets out of hand about the way that you know you threw the ball I can't help but picture Jesus there on the sidelines calling over to the bleachers to a parent who's gotten out of hand and I can just hear Jesus saying to them, what's it to you? The ultimate truth of the living Jesus who walked out of the tomb is that we all get to be a part of the new creation. If each one of us who follow Jesus told such stories, I suppose that not even the whole world would have enough room for the books that would be written. And that curly-haired boy is still out on the field in his Astros uniform. And he will be on the team for the rest of time, forever and ever, world without end. Amen.